Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance. Join our hosts as they discuss a wide range of topics and speak with leading cybersecurity, technology, and compliance experts. Now is the time for Secure Talk. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Secure Talk. Secure Talk is brought to you by Adequest, your cybersecurity and compliance partner. My name is Mark Schreiner, and I'll be your host for this edition of Secure Talk. Today, we have a guest, a guest from Microsoft. We have Matt Sosanen, who's a security architect over at Microsoft. And uh, Matt's going to be talking to us about some of the assessments that Microsoft provides its customers and partners and related to cybersecurity. And we're going to do a little bit of a deep dive into one assessment in particular related to the rapid cyber attack assessment. Um, but first off, I want to talk, uh, welcome Matt to the show. Matt, how are you? Uh, doing great. How are you doing, Mark? Uh, pretty good. I imagine that you're probably starting the day off a little bit better than I am because I'm up in Seattle and it's pouring down rain as usual. <laughs> and I'm assuming that you're down in San Diego. I am, and it's uh, sunny and blue skies. And and I hate you for that. Okay. <laughs> oh man. So, um, but yeah, it was funny because I was out yesterday, um, and I went out for a bike ride in the rain, and then I went out to my son's soccer game in the rain, and I was just thinking, God, I'm going to be doing this podcast with this guy, and he's probably like on the beach or next to a pool <laughs> or something. Anyway, hey Matt, um, maybe you could take a couple minutes and tell us a little bit about your your uh, background and then about your current role with at Microsoft. Yeah, sure, I'd love to. Uh, yeah, just first off, thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm really excited to be on the show here and uh, been looking forward to this. Um, yeah, so a little bit about me, Matt Sosman. I've uh, been at Microsoft for about seven years, and uh, I have kind of an interesting career story before Microsoft. Um, I've been doing this for about 15 years and actually straight out of high school. So, um, you know, rewind all the way back 15 years ago, got into IT um, as I was going to college. I was working at a small company. Um, they needed some IT help. I was going to school for IT and, and things just kind of worked out. And uh, from there, I, I kind of grew and went on to work at Sprint, did a lot of interesting things at Sprint, helping them roll out. Uh, office communication server and link and doing some voice work with them exchange work went on to work at blackberry for a while doing some uh, corporate training and consulting and that was a lot of fun traveling the world and, and visiting with a lot of uh, large organizations and government agencies and then made myself over at microsoft here and uh, originally started off in microsoft consulting services or mcs and uh consulted with customers big and small on a lot of different uh, topics ranging from voice to security to uh, desktop deployment you name it uh, then I moved over to our, our marketing group where we uh, we basically take care of partner marketing so helping our partners out there to be successful with the right playbooks and materials and programs that they need and then Recently, I moved over to our one commercial partner organization. Um, uh, last summer, we made a significant investment here at Microsoft and created a new organization dedicated just to our partners. And so uh, I currently work over there as a security architect, focusing on all things security uh, to help our partners. Well, I can say um, at, from the partner's point of view, uh, the work that you do is, is really appreciated. I've, um, I've sat in on and participated in uh, one of your two-day workshops 
uh, and also been uh, to, uh, on partner calls, or excuse me, customer calls with you where you've been the, uh, the technical advisor. And it's a huge help for us, uh, asset to us as a, as a Microsoft partner to have somebody like you in, in that role. Um, I can imagine that, you know, with your, your background um, and all the different types of organizations that you're dealing with, that you see a huge spectrum of issues and challenges and opportunities. Um, can you give us an example of something, uh, some challenge, a very interesting challenge that you um, helped solve or um, were part of the process of, of, of solving? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a while back, I had a, a customer I was working with that um, they recently got hit by a, uh, an attack. And um, we went in there and, and did kind of a mini assessment, if you will, uh, along with a partner and discovered that uh, there's a lot of some basic um, you know, remedial type things, if you will, that needed to happen um, before we started coming with more advanced things such as tools and things like that. And so looking at this from kind of an operational standpoint around you know, your administrators and how many global admins they have, how many domain admins, um, how were you securing those credentials? And so coming in there from an operational perspective and, and helping them understand some of the, the IT, if you will, best practices, um, really helped to, to bring up their security posture and, and lower the risk before we even came in with a, a solution. And so that's just, just one of many examples. But, um, you know, it's that kind of work that I, I feel is pretty inspiring and um, that the low-hanging fruit, if you will, that, uh, that makes us a lot of fun and pretty rewarding. Excellent, excellent. Um, how much of your work is in response to current threats like you know people hear about a breach or some type of ransomware attack um, does that make your phone ring more often or is it more about you know companies organizations that are looking to do uh, for a new strategic direction for their IT for example there may be a cloud migration or something like that what 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 seems to be driving um, the the activities and opportunities that you're working on yeah that's a great question uh, probably all of the above um, What's, what's really interesting with security is uh, it's it's one of those things where you either pay now or you pay later in terms of um, you know upfront protection or in terms of response. And uh, that's really what's driving a lot of our um, engagements, both with Microsoft and with our partners out there with customers, is being able to uh, not be the next headline in the news and protecting yourself and doing what's necessary to put those protections in place. Uh, but what's interesting is uh, back at one of our uh, conferences, Julia White, our, our corporate vice president over security here at Microsoft, she made a comment. She said, you know, five years ago, customers could not go to the cloud because of security. Now they have to go to the cloud because of security. And so uh, what's driving a lot of this is migrating to the cloud, whether that's for an email workload or a collaboration workload. It um, uh, doesn't matter. It's it's really around getting your data in the into the cloud and wrapping these advanced controls around it that allow you to uh, to better protect yourself. But yeah, a lot of different things are out there driving this, but uh, most of it is around cloud migrations and, of course, um, just not wanting to be the, the next headline, if you will. So a lot of the recent trends out there is is uh, is driving a lot of the security awareness and and implementation. Well, that that makes a lot of sense, and I, I would guess that a big part of that, in terms of you know uh, beefing up your security uh, posture or just understanding where you're at, is going through some of these assessments that that Microsoft has created. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's there's actually quite a few uh, offerings, if you will, in terms of Microsoft products, solutions, assessments that, that we make available uh, both to our customers and to customers through our, our partner community. And uh, in particular, there's there's five right now that uh, I feel are, are really compelling. So just to give you a quick uh, lowdown, if you will, on those, uh, the, my favorite one is the Office 365 Security Assessment. And this uses a little tool called Secure Score, and it allows me to uh, open up my tenant and look at my my credit score, if you will, but for security. So on a on a scale of of zero to uh, you know 500, for example, I can see a number that helps me understand just how secure my tenant is and my overall security posture and what kind of risk I might be uh, be exposing myself to. And and that's all based on what workloads I have enabled in Office 365. And that score over time might change as Microsoft introduces new features and products to this cloud service, but also as I start to turn up uh, new features and, and products. And that really helps me narrow my focus on Office 365. So that's the first assessment. Let me let me just and that just kind of let me just jump yeah. in if you don't mind. Uh, I at request sure. we use that assessment a lot. It's one of our favorites oh, as well. Um, and the great thing about it is it you can identify some quick wins, some easy wins uh, for the client in terms of you know beefing up their security posture, and and. Um, most of those um, can be implemented at no additional cost. I mean, the clients or the customers already paid for um, those controls. It's baked into Office 365. Oftentimes, they're just not aware of the fact that they can um, actually turn those controls on, or maybe they don't have the know-how to do that. But the assessment really, I mean, it's a really quick way to just kind of identify, hey, um, you know, you have some gaps here, and here are some options. Um, and so we, we really like it. Yeah, you, you know, Mark, you, you bring up an interesting point. Uh, here at Microsoft, we, we like to toss around a number, and, and it's anywhere from 30 to 60 different security vendors are in, a, in an organization. And, um, you know, when you, when you look at something like Secure Score, and as you mentioned, some of these actions you could take, they're, they're low-hanging fruit, and it could be part of the service that you already owned. You don't have to buy anything. You don't have to pay anything extra. You don't have to introduce another security vendor uh, into the mix. And what a lot of our customers sometimes uh, see as an eye-opener or, or a surprise is that um, they already own that capability as part of their subscription to Office 365. It's just a matter of enabling it. And um, you know that, that really talks in terms of you know, saving on costs, but also reducing complexity in the environment from a security perspective. And that kind of leads into this next assessment. Uh, we, we call it the Shadow IT Assessment. Uh, this is probably my favorite one uh, out of all of these because our customers today, um, just like our, our listeners here, they're they're using multiple cloud services. They may be using Office 365, Salesforce, uh, Google Suite, uh, Dropbox Box, you name it. And um, uh, business units across the organization may be using some other cloud services as well. And you may know that you have a shadow IT problem, but you may not know to what extent and and just how um, how deep it goes. And so this assessment uses a product called Microsoft Cloud App Security, and I can go in there and actually um, upload my firewall logs and see all of the cloud applications in use across my environment. Uh, and then from there, I can understand what type of risk they, they pose based on a, a risk scoring that we do here at Microsoft. And from there, I can understand, do I want to block these applications? Do I want to continue to allow them? 
And what gets really interesting about this is with this cloud app security product, I can actually extend protection out to those third-party cloud applications. So if you know we do a shadow IT assessment, we realize, hey, HR is using uh, Box. We want to continue to use Box because if we remove it from the environment, that could be detrimental to the organization and business impacting. I can actually extend my data protection strategy out to Box and encrypt data in Box and being able to classify that data and label it. And so it's pretty powerful uh, when, it, when it comes to being able to protect yourself, of course, from a security perspective, but then being able to make sure your data is held in a compliance state no matter where it lives. And so that's one of my favorite assessments is a shadow IT assessment. I think that's huge. In fact, I was on a call yesterday, uh, yesterday afternoon, uh, with a company, they've got offices all around the U.S. and Asia, several locations in Asia. They're really concerned uh, because in Asia, there's a, a lot of uh, bring your own device or BYOD um, amongst their colleagues there. And they have no idea um, of what apps are on these devices, um, you know, how they're being used. And, and they just need to get a kind of a, a baseline of, okay, where, what are we, where are we at? What, what are people using? Not necessarily to, mm. to cut, off, cut their access off from them, but, but at least to get an understanding of, of what's out there, right? Um, and, then, and then once they have that understanding, then look for ways to better manage it, uh, possibly with encryption of, of sensitive data, et cetera. But you know, the key thing is just they, they, they were really stressed because it was like, we don't know. And the assessment um, like like this would probably be a good step in that direction. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this this reminds me of just a couple of quick stories here. Uh, the first one is around, uh, we were doing this at a customer a while back and um, I had the opportunity to observe this and uh, the partner was sitting down with the customer going through um, their shadow IT posture, helping them understand the cloud apps that are in use in the environment. And one of the features of cloud up security is I can see uh, file level activity and I can see who's sharing what files with whom and where those files are located. And as we were going through this, uh, the customer noticed that they actually had a potential data breach. Uh, there was a, a former employee who they, they know they terminated and that terminated employee was actually sending uh, sensitive information uh, from SharePoint in this case over to their consumer email address. Uh, so actually taking the data and, and leaking it over, uh, presumably to take it with them to their next job or, or something of that nature. And through cloud app security, we were actually able to see that activity. And that generated a, a lot of great discussion with that customer in, in terms of you know, how to protect themselves against this. And so it, it raises a lot of awareness when you start to understand what applications are in use. Um, and the second story around that is I've, I've seen some customers, one in particular who um, they had no idea that their other business units in the organization were using other cloud applications. They, they had just bought Office 365. Um, they were trying to standardize across the company with that. And then when they loaded up cloud app security, there was 200 some third-party applications in use, everything from collaboration to cloud storage and you name it. And so this actually opened up the communication channels with the CIO mm -hmm. and um, and his leadership with his peers over in the other business units in the company. And from there, they were able to talk about, you know, a single strategy and, and consolidate and at the end of the day, save money. It was all as a result of this assessment. So um, really interesting, the outcomes I, I, of what can happen. Absolutely. And I think, you know, just having an awareness of understanding where you're at is a massive step in the right direction. A lot of organ organizations, um, 
I don't know if it's intentional or not, but seem to operate under the, you know, ignorance is bliss type of, of mentality and not maybe wanting to dig too deep. Um, uh, be, sometimes maybe lack of resources or afraid of what they might find, or maybe it's just not a priority at the time. Um, but when something happens, you know, if you do have a, some type of breach, uh, or, you know, even in the incident we just mentioned with a, with a, a former employee who who's, um, still has access to sensitive information, uh, y- you need to be aware of that, right? And, um, and if, if you do have some kind of issue, boom, um, it, it's almost too late now to go back and, and you, you know, you wish you would have done the assessment before. But um, so this is, the, I mean, all of these assessments that we're talking about are things that can be done um, relatively painlessly, right? I mean, they're, they're super easy to implement. Yeah. And um, oftentimes, uh, you know, I mean, oftentimes there's funding available as well. So um, a couple other assessments. Before we do a deep dive into the uh, the rapid cyber attack one, um, there's also the GDPR detailed assessment and data discovery toolkit, which are extremely timely, um, you know, because we're coming up to May 2018 when GDPR comes into effect. Can you touch on those real quickly? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, these are these are really. I, I'm a geek, so I think these are really cool. Um, the GDPR detail assessment. So this allows a customer to understand, if you will, their their maturity as it applies to GDPR. And um, you know, the, the the general data protection regulation. Uh, it has a lot of uh, various requirements that are part of that. Uh, one specific requirement is around uh, enabling your data subjects, your human beings, the, the right to be forgotten. Um, another requirement is understanding what personal data you have on a European Union resident. And so this detailed assessment, um, it's not really a, a technical thing. It's more of a people in process where um, a Microsoft partner would sit down with the, the customer and it may be their legal staff, HR, different um, organizations around the business to really understand um, do you know where you're storing personal and private data on, on EU residents? Um, do you have a data classification strategy? Um, what do you do if somebody comes to you and says, remove all of my information across all of your systems? And so this is more or less a, a, a bank of about 150 questions that um, you would ask in kind of an interview style. And then from there, uh, your Microsoft partner would help you to develop a strategic roadmap on what are the Microsoft solutions that could help you here along your GDPR journey, but also what's the people in process, right? Because as you start to enable your business to comply with GDPR, um, there may be some new business workflows that have to be created, which requires training, which requires a little bit of uh, business consulting, if you will. Um, and then also just the, just the generic people in process part of it. So this is a good starting point along that that journey towards gdpr yeah we're, we're seeing a, a huge amount of interest these days um and even some companies we've had organizations that have told us because you know we're based up in the northwest and they're in they're like well you know gdpr doesn't really affect us and we're like well hold on i mean because it, it really comes down to do you have data that relates to an eu resident and they said well we don't have we don't have offices in, in europe i said well yeah but are you controlling or processing data do you have do you have freelancers based in europe do you have customers that are in europe and even in the data, the types of data, oftentimes people think, well, is it you know some type of customer feedback form or is it a PII? It can even be things that you know it can be emails, it, 
can be images or even CCTV scans. If that CCTV scan relates to an EU resident, it technically falls under GDPR. So when people or organizations start to get their mind around it and they start to see, wow, actually we have this data um, and we, it, it, we may not you know, think about our, having a, a, a presence in Europe, for example, but even though that we are controlling or processing the data, um, so we, you know, we need to prepare for GDPR. And it's a huge... Uh, potential liability if you um, if you're not if you're caught out of compliance as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's some pretty significant penalties that are that will be enforced for that. Um, we'll, we'll see what what precedence tells us on May 25th of, of 2018 here. But um, GDPR is a, a compelling event. I, I like to kind of think of it as um, you know Y2K version two, if you will. But it's it's very real. Um, you know, just to, to touch on, you, you mentioned it's not just about emails or documents. It can be anything, video footage, even badge um, scanning or reader systems, right? Absolutely. And so, um, you know, anything that, that ties back to a, a European Union resident has to be uh, protected and discovered and, and managed, even reported on. And so Microsoft's uh, methodology that we, we look at GDPR with is something we call DMPR. So discover is all about discovering what is the data out there, where does it live, all of the um, you know, details about that. Uh, manage, what, what is the classification strategy, what is the um, data governance strategy around that data. Uh, protect, how do we protect it from data breaches and, and threats, and then report. How do we re report back to the European Union, back to law enforcement, uh, what's our uh, records uh, maintenance policy, all of those different things. And so that kind of feeds into this other assessment that we have called, it's not necessarily assessment, but it's more of a toolkit called the GDPR Data Discovery Toolkit. Now, this is really cool. This allows me to use some tools to go out there and discover data. Now, we're not going to, this tool is not going to discover all the data, right? I can't look at badge reader systems or closed circuit TV footage, but I can go out there and find emails and SharePoint sites that may have documents or spreadsheets or PowerPoint presentations. Um, it'll help make me sift through the majority of that data to see what contains personally identifiable information back to a European Union resident. And this allows me to do this both on-premises, which is really interesting, and in the cloud in Office 365. And it, does this through a combination of some different products that we have, but this wraps a, a framework around that and a, and a good approach. So that's the the data discovery toolkit. Yeah, that's huge, and I, and I think the the this, this tool that you use actually also um, allows you to attach labels to the data once you've found it. So you know, then you can enact policies related to those labels. Is that is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. I can actually automate the classification of my data once we do find it and discover it. And so that really helps me to uh, to have that, that good strategy in place. Um, you know, last thing we want to do is, is make it manually sift through all your data. And this gives you a way to automate that. Excellent. Well, okay, so that brings us to the the uh, assessment of the hour, the, the one that we really wanted to focus on, which is the uh, rapid cyber attack assessment. Um, first off, wh what is a rapid cyber attack versus just an old-fashioned cyber attack? Yeah, a rapid cyber attack is, um, it's actually exactly what it says. It's a, it's a rapid, automated, and disruptive type of attack. And so what I mean by rapid is this thing could spread across your organization within minutes, um, leaving you little time to react. 
um, leaving your defenders and your technology and products that are in the in the enterprise um, really no time to to react. It's automated. So a lot of this is uh, script based. We're even seeing machine learning, artificial intelligence um, factoring into this. And so there's no human interaction. So if I'm a bad actor, I just click go, if you will, and this thing is smart enough to go out there and and find the holes and spread throughout my organization. But it's also disruptive. Um, and we could talk a little bit more and a little bit about um, the, the headlines that are out there, but this will actually spread through your organization and it will encrypt data. Uh, on your devices and render those devices unusable. It will even steal credentials if uh, if the, uh, the, the 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 tool that it's using is is written to do so. It will automatically, in some cases, like with the Petya uh, outbreak last summer, it will traverse your network trying to find those highly valued assets and then perhaps transmit that sensitive data back to a command and control uh, server. So so these things, um, for lack of a better word, are, are kind of scary. I, I was just going to say. that's what a rapid cyber Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm, I'm getting nervous just listening to you describe this here. <laughs> so it's uh, <laughs> yeah. pretty scary stuff. So how does the assessment help? What does it actually look at? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the assessment's really twofold. Um, so we, we call this the rapid cyber attack assessment. And it, it looks at two different things. The first is a, a questionnaire and more of an interview process. Uh, so we want to really understand what is your operational procedures? And what I mean by that is how many administrators do you have and what type of permissions do they have? Does everybody have domain admin or enterprise admin or does everybody have global administrator if you're in Office 365? And then how do you actually manage that? Um, do you use unique local administrator passwords and all your client endpoints? What does your patching level look like? Are you able to quickly patch all your systems across the enterprise within 30 days or 15 days or seven days or three days? What's your backup and disaster recovery strategy look like? So we have this banker questionnaire that we, we go through to really understand um, from an operational perspective. And then the second part is this a uh, little, I, I call it ingenious little tool that will go out there and based on a, uh, a list that I provided, will scan up to 500 endpoints and just get a sampling of, of the, the client endpoints out there in the environment. And we look at things like, um, you know, is SMB 1.0 still enabled on these on these endpoints? NTLM, uh, some of the basic things that are out there. We we get an inventory of the OS versions and what applications are running and the versions of those applications. And so we have these two different parts, and then this all factors into a roadmap that working with your Microsoft partner, um, they can help to recommend a strategy. And again, it's not all about technology, but it's also about people and process. And so. Um, part of that strategy might be, let's focus on reducing our attack surface. We did the scan. There might be multiple versions of maybe the Chrome browser or Flash or even Office, right? So, so let's address that. Um, based on the questionnaire, we have some best practices here we might want to address around how your administrators are assigned privileges. And um, maybe there's some just-in-time and just enough access there. And so. Uh, we look at all these different variables across the board that make you susceptible to a rapid cyber attack. And this is all around implementing a roadmap and a strategy to reduce your risk, increase your posture. Remember, at the end of the day, nothing's 100% secure. But what we see with these rapid cyber attacks, a lot of times the threat vector 
is um, is email phishing campaigns or uh, going in through IT supply chain. But have we had some of this low-hanging fruit addressed? Maybe it's security patches, OS versions, and uh, basic operational procedures. It could have helped to prevent it. And so that's what this assessment's really all about. Sounds very, very helpful and probably much needed um, in many organizations. How intrusive is this in terms of the number of people that need to be involved, the resources that, that it would require, or even just the timing? What, is it, what does an engagement look like? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of dependent on, on your Microsoft partner and, and how they'd like to approach it. But on average, we usually see this taking about uh, three to four weeks. And uh, it, it's, it's dependent on however many resources and, and investment you want to throw at it. So we've seen some customers who may have been breached in the past. Uh, this is a high priority for them. Uh, other customers who maybe have not gone through a breach and they want to have that preventative measure, uh, they'll still bring this in as well. And so um, the idea is you have to do this, this bank of questions and really gather an understanding of the environment. So that requires some time on both um, the partner and the, the consultants and architects that are involved, but also from our customer perspective, we need to go around and interview key roles such as, such as your sysadmins, your security administrators, your network admins, et cetera. And so there's a significant amount of time required on that, usually about uh, you know eight to 16 hours, uh, maybe a day or two. And then for running this tool that I talked about, uh, I could actually run that overnight. And um, the, the gotcha there is um, I have to do some planning and some preparation for this tool because we're using WM WMMI, uh, we're using RPC calls. And so I have to be able to allow not only Windows Firewall on some of these machines I'm going to sample from uh, to allow this tool to run through that, but also if I have any network firewalls in the way and that kind of thing. And so that may require a little bit more planning and, and preparation on the back end to be able to execute that. Um, so it's kind of dependent, but usually about three to four weeks. And then uh, something else that's really interesting about this assessment is it also gives you the opportunity to really learn and understand what are those Microsoft solutions out there? Um, what are those things that can really help you from a people process and technology perspective? And then what are some of the other things you can be doing? And so there's time factored into this assessment for really that training and education as well. And then, of course, discussing the roadmap and, and talking about next steps. So yeah, about three to four weeks on average. That sounds very, very reasonable con uh, considering the, the value of the information that is output from the assessment and you know the, the idea that you would um, uncover or possibly potentially uncover some, some potential issues um, that if you didn't do the assessment, you wouldn't be aware of. Speaking of which, I mean, what are some of the more alarming things that you've seen the assessment d discover when, uh, when you've been running the assessment or have, have been participating in the assessment with, uh, that was run by Microsoft? partners. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've had the opportunity to uh, observe this delivered uh, about half a dozen times. And, and every time it's, it's always different. And um, that's a good thing because it really helps you to understand the, the, the uh, differentiation that's out there in the, um, in the enterprise market and in our, in our ecosystem. And so uh, just a, a few quick stories for you. As we were running um, the interviews, and, and um, that usually takes about a day or so and going through the questionnaire, um, 
What's interesting is the level of inconsistency. So if I interview a, a sysadmin for maybe Exchange, if I still have Exchange on-premises, or even Exchange online admin, and then I go out and interview a, a network administrator or maybe a security administrator, I, I ask them the same type of questions, but I get different responses. So that's sometimes the alarming thing is um, the level of inconsistency there. Um, other times when we run through the entire assessment and we look at the findings, Sometimes the low-hanging fruit can actually be a, a pretty surprising thing. And what I mean by that is um, a lot of uh, organizations out there, big and small, um, they may not have a security uh, patching strategy. So when Patch Tuesday rolls around for Microsoft and the latest security patches come out, or even the applications running on these clients like, like Chrome or Flash or Office, uh, being able to implement those patches in a timely manner, um, that's usually kind of alarming. And that's really our first line of defense is, is through that. Um, but other things that have, that have caught my eye is uh, we had a, a organization one time that had 50 uh, domain administrators and um, they were also in Office 365. And I think 30 of, of those also had global admin privileges. And so if any of those uh, credentials tied back to those individuals were ever compromised, those attackers have keys to the kingdom, of course. And so, um, and then one other uh, thing that comes to mind is uh, the backup and disaster recovery strategy. Um, you know, remember at the end of the day, um, nothing's 100% secure. And so um, I can do all of this work, but if I still get hit with ransomware or crypto locker and it encrypts my computer and I have sensitive files on that computer, I wanna make sure I have a good backup strategy in place. And uh, what we've discovered is some organizations out there don't. And um, I need to be able to restore that data in a timely manner. Um, and so those are just some of the, the alarming things I've seen. And usually it's eye-opening to our, our customers as well, because they may not understand just how bad it may be uh, within the organization. And that generates a, a lot of inspiration to go out there and uh, and, and patch up these holes, if you will. Yeah. So really interesting stuff. I, I very much agree. And it's funny because uh, you talk about uh, large organizations and the inconsistencies that you find there. Um, and then, you know, I, I just, I look at the, the things that we, we read in the headlines. Uh, it was, uh, what's the uh, the credit reporting agency that um, I probably, oh, I think it was Equifax. I probably shouldn't even talk about them because they'll mess with my credit score. But, <laughs> you know, I think they, they, they had the, the, the major breach last year. Um, and that came down to, they just, you know, there was a, a, a out of service uh, or they, uh, there was a patch that had been released. And I think it had been released like, you know, for two months prior to, the, to, their, to their breach. Um, but they just didn't have a process in place to keep all their, their patches up to date. And it, it seems like a very basic thing. But when you're in these large organizations, and I, there's probably a lot of assumptions like, well, maybe this team's doing it or that team's doing it. Um, it's tough to get your mind around everything. And, you know, I've, I've been in organizations where um, there are a lot of assumptions and not a lot of documentation. And even when there's documentation, sometimes they're not centralizing it or sharing it. And doing an assessment like this just helps you identify those gaps. Like, hey, guys, <laughs> we need to have a patch Absolutely. policy, you know? Absolutely. And, and that's what we, we see most of the time uh, in these type of assessments is it's an eye opener from just a procedural perspective that, hey, we need to have the documentation in place. We need to, um, you know, kind of mature our, our operational procedures. Um, other times, too, just to, to peel back the onion on this, um, you know, we live in this 
just take a step back. We live in this new world. Um, you know, five, 10 years ago, when everything was located on premises, we had the four walls around the data center. We, we did a really good job at securing that data. Um, but now in this new world, I can bring my own device, I can bring my own cloud, and it has to really involve a, a really comprehensive strategy. And, um, and also when we start to think about um, employee retention and employee recruiting, we have the millennial factor that comes into play. You know, these individuals want to bring their own device and bring their own cloud. And that is sometimes a, a difficult thing uh, from a security perspective. And so, you know, when we look at this and we, we do these types of assessments, those conversations a lot of times come up and they wind up being this, this bigger strategy that comes into play with this with these organizations around, well, gee, not only do we need to protect ourselves against rapid cyber attacks, but we also need to protect our data no matter where it lives, because it may live on BYOD devices or it may live in somebody else's cloud. And um, a lot of times this just generates a whole new set of line items that uh, that organization has to go out there and, and execute on in addition to just securing against rapid cyber attacks. So it's, it's kind of opened up the door for um, for you to uh, have awareness, but also build out a strategy. Absolutely. And then one of the things that that, uh, that we also like to run with is the um, CISO workshop that um, yeah. also developed by Microsoft, but it's a great two-day kind of planning session for organizations to understand, you know, where, where they're at, uh, what their business objectives are, and how can they align their 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 forward-thinking IT strategy with those business objectives. Um, and so that's that's something that we can talk about uh, probably in a, in a in another show or another edition of Secure Talk. Um, so Matt, I, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to talk with us today. What um, what do you have going on? I mean, uh, in terms of upcoming events or or for yourself or some recommendations for people who are listening in terms of uh, from a security perspective or things that would be interesting from an IT uh, point of view. Any, any suggestions or uh, updates for us? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you for asking. So um, if you're interested in kind of following me and, and what I'm working on, um, I run a, a blog here at Microsoft. And so the web address is just aka.ms slash Matt's blog, M-A-T-T-S-B-L-O-G. And I write about uh, really all things Microsoft, whether it's uh, security. I do a lot of uh, writing about Teams and security, Microsoft Teams and security. So you could follow me there. Um, I'll be at the RSA conference uh, coming up here in two weeks, uh, April 16th through the 20th. So I'll be working some of the Microsoft security booths there. So if you're at the conference, feel free to stop by. Um, if you're really into security or you want to get into security, the RSA conference is a great way to, uh, to jumpstart that. Um, as it's all things security in the industry. The, uh, the other events I'll be at and some things I recommend to some of our listeners out there is um, if you live in the Atlanta area, I'll be out in Atlanta uh, May 21st speaking at the Microsoft Users Group on, um, on a topic that uh, is, is kind of interesting um, around how we can use Microsoft Teams as kind of an excuse to protect our data and get our data into the cloud and wrap policy around that. Uh, there's some um, additional conferences coming up in uh, in the summer time frame. Uh, Angel Beat is a a big IT conference uh, that travels around the country, different cities. So they'll be out here in San Diego and in Los Angeles area in uh, in July. So I'll be speaking at those around security. Microsoft Inspire, of course, for our partners. I'll be there um, doing a few sessions and working the booth. And then of course the Microsoft Ignite conference coming up in September. Uh, a lot of great stuff there. Um, so that's kind of what's going on with me over the next few months. Well, those, and, those are some um, awesome recommendations. Yeah. It sounds like it sounds like you spent a lot of time on the road. I I, I do. I well, I, I can. Um, 
recently it's it's been uh, quite crazy, uh, but uh, I, I really enjoy this stuff. You know, I, I really take a, a passion with this, and and my um, you know my background as an IT professional, and now working at Microsoft. Um, you know, I want to help my other IT professional peers out there as well be successful. And so I, I feel by working these conferences and presenting really, really helps to, to carry that passion on. Well, you're, uh, you're really good at what you do. Um, as I mentioned, when I was in your workshop, I'm probably the least technical person in the room. Um, you have this uh, you know, deep technical knowledge, uh, especially in the security space, but you're able to kind of communicate that for, for people like me that I understand it and get it. And so I really appreciate that. Appreciate you uh, taking the time to join us today. Day, and uh, I don't want to take up too much of your your your, your morning because I know you probably unlike me you're probably going to go outside and enjoy the sunshine. But uh, you know, really really appreciate you joining us, Matt, and uh, look forward to uh, crossing paths with you again sometime soon. Yeah, it sounds great. Thank you again for having me, and uh, have a good rest of the day. Cheers, everybody. Take care. Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance. Join our hosts as they discuss a wide range of topics and speak with leading cybersecurity, technology, and compliance experts. Now is the time for Secure Talk.